Hi, I'm Eric Dewey from the Socially Awkward Studios, Science and Beer, and Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And you're listening to another proud presentation of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows at foureyedradio.com. Hey there, Eric here from Socially Awkward Studios. And this Four-Eyed Radio presentation is being proudly brought to you by Raven Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit ravencruise.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 54 and is being recorded on May 6th, 2015. Today's topic character resurrections. I'm Aaron. And I'm Eric. This episode is brought to you by Revenge Lover, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. We're back. We are back. And better than ever? <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, we did kind of upgrade some equipment, at least I did. You've, yes. already, you've already had one of these for a while now. I have, and I'm very happy with my purchase. So what we're talking about is a new microphone I purchased. Um, Eric has the same one. It's the Blue Yeti uh, microphone. So hopefully our podcast will sound better than ever. Ever? Better than ever. <laughs> yeah, if, if I could pronounce English right. It's not, it's not better than Ezra. It's better than ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, it's been a while since we've released an episode. Our last mm-hmm. episode was our tribute to Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's brighten the mood with talk about how they died and came back to life. Uh, I was wondering... <laughs> Why we went from from Leonard Nimoy's death to oh yeah character resurrections, well, which I mean it is how they they died and then came back, but we're still dealing with the dying part, right? So, but who had the best? Well, we'll get into it. But Leonard Nimoy had the best character resurrection in in Star Trek. Yeah, I think so, and it. As we're going to talk about, uh, it kind of set up a precedence for uh, characters not quite dying, or maybe dying, but somehow coming back Right. in Star Trek. They're all zombies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There's a book about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't we jump into the news, because we have a, a backlog. Obviously, I, I we weren't going to put every piece of news that we've missed in like a month and a half no that'd be too much that'd be too much so we have uh some important tidbits important enough yes to mention anyway uh so the first one the official trailer for star trek renegades was released now have you seen this eric i have and i'm actually really excited for this it looks good i still can't get past the uniforms though that's the one thing that is really standing out for me 
Uh, right. Like I love all the other costumes, mm-hmm. but like the official like uniforms that Starfleet's wearing, it looks like some fan made right. thing. Right. Yeah. The all the other costuming <laughs> yeah. because they're not in uniforms right. looks amazing. Right. It's just the Star Trek Starfleet uniforms in this look horribly fan made. Right. That's the only sore thumb in this entire trailer. Right, and Clive, uh, I was discussing this with him online, and I think he said it best. I I think it was Clive. I'm going to attribute it to him anyway. He said (laughs) uh, (laughs) that it looks like Starfleet just started making everyone wear a uniform that was two sizes too big for them. Because it's just hanging off them. <laughs> well, it, it's it's not only that. It's it's the material looks thin. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, and 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 you're right. Like uh, mentioning two sizes too big for them because throughout Star Trek, all the uniforms have been very. I, I don't want to say form fitting, mm-hmm. but they've been very like military tight. Right, like not like you can see everything, but it's it's appropriate military cut. Right, and these look very loose mm-hmm. and fan made. Right, <laughs> but the good things, the effects look incredible. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm eager to see more of that ship that they have. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but the ship yeah, that the wrong. Renegades are using. The front half looks very Klingon, doesn't it? That the Renegades are using. It does look like uh, a mixture. Like the nose of it looks like a, like a Klingon battle cruiser front half. From what I remember, Like with that yeah. fort. Right. I got that impression right. very quickly. Yeah, I would agree. I haven't seen... But I the trailer looks fantastic. The other ship I, I'm more interested in, um, that's... The Archer? Yeah, yes. The USS Archer. Yes. That ship I'm a little bit more interested in. But yeah, I'm eager for it. I think it's supposed to come out during the subcoming summer, so it'll be something to look forward to. Definitely. Well, the Vulcan Salute is now an iOS emoji and can be used now by copying the emoji and creating a shortcut. Yes. Have you done this, Eric? I have not done this. Oh, I have done it. But now I want to. Yep. So the shortcut I'm using is LLAP, which will auto-correct into the Live Long and Prosper salute. Nice. And now there are... of <laughs> This emoji is available in multiple skin tones. Uh, oh. So you would have to create the shortcut multiple times, like multiple different shortcuts in order to get the different skin tones if you want to do that. I see. Because it, even though it's available in the new iOS and the latest Mac OS, mm-hmm. it's not in the emoji set yet. So you can't just go find it and click on it. If that makes sense. Oh, maybe they'll maybe they'll include it in the next release. Oh, I'm sure. I guess this was approved last fall. Oh, okay. So it's just a coincidence that it 
uh, it came out, or at least maybe it was made more public after the passing of Leonard Nimoy. I I would assume that yeah. is the case. Yeah. So next up, one of my one of my favorite movies actually. Uh, oh, mine too. Yes. So Spiner, also known as Brent. Data, uh, or Brent. Uh, <laughs> will be in the sequel to Independence Day. This is surprising to me because I thought his character died in the first one. See, and someone mentioned that to him on Twitter, apparently, and he, he goes, oh, did he? Question mark. Uh, you don't see him die. You just see him, like, fall down. That's true. I I just thought the alien would have not left anyone alive in there mm. because the alien used him to communicate to the president and the other people in area 51. Right. Because the alien like wrapped his tentacle around him mm-hmm. and he was communicating through Brent Spiner's character. Right. Dr. Oakum or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. For, for those of you who have been under a rock and have never seen independence day, uh, you should, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Where where have you been? Go see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Dr. Okun. Okun. He was the Area 51 scientist. Yeah, the crazy long-haired kook. <laughs> and, and even back then, because I, I remember going, that opened, it actually was supposed to open on Independence Day, mm-hmm. July 4th. But the movie opened up two days earlier. They pushed up the release date, mm. which was my birthday. Okay. So my my birthday that year, uh, my dad took all of us to see Independence Day. Nice. I remember in the theater when I first saw uh, Brent Spiner's character, I'm like, oh my God, that's Data. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's I had the same reaction. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about Independence Day 2. They've been talking about making this movie for years and it right. just never happened until now when you know now everything's being remade and sequelized and mm-hmm. so good to see that's that yeah uh next simon pig is writing the third movie in the star trek reboot series rumor has it the working title is called star trek beyond how do you feel about the title well, I hope it goes beyond my expectations, <laughs> um, uh-huh. because quite frankly, I'm tired of these reboot movies with a huge, uh, with a bad guy with a really big ship trying to destroy the Earth. That's happened two times now. Right. I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and um... I know Simon Pegg, he's a big Star Trek fan, and I hope he does the movie justice because apparently he's saying that you know this movie will venture further out into the galaxy than we've seen in the previous two films which i hope is the case because they keep going back to earth <laughs> right the farthest they've gone is uh the clean on home world and maybe whatever that first contact planet was in into darkness oh yeah yeah whatever that was so, yeah, I mean, they were supposed to be on their five-year mission in the last one, right? Or no? Correct. Yes. Right? They they were going to be assigned the five-year mission, right. and at the end, they were. 
Okay. So yeah, let's let's get out there and explore. Find the doomsday machine or something. No, no, no more, no more planet killing whatever <laughs> device. Well, no, it doesn't I'm have to done be with Earth. that. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. No, yeah. no, 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 no. In a I, movie anyway. <laughs> a probe. Yeah, they've had a couple of probes. I just I want to do something. Just do something new. Something new. Like maybe maybe there's some weird mind tripping. Or, or they have to look inside themselves, or some metaphysical BS. Just mm-hmm. anything that's more on a high caliber and not, you know, oh, let's shoot them up, pew, pew, pew. But then, you know, the supposed director is going to be Justin Lin, who did the Fast and the Furious film. So, right. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm very skeptical. <laughs> well, I'm hopeful. I'm skeptical since we on, have on this, since we have Pig. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. All I'm saying is they better do this justice because it is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Right. And I, don't I hope, screw this up. <laughs> I hope they know that. <laughs> I hope they know that too. <laughs> like what? It only came out six years ago. <laughs> so, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Tim Russ appears in a YouTube video explaining May the Fourth Be With You. The Star Wars Day. Have you se- you've seen this, right, Eric? I've seen this multiple times. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's hysterical. the The link uh, will be in our show notes, and yeah, you know, or just go on YouTube and, and search for it after you listen to this show. Go find it. It's funny. I actually have an interesting uh, tidbit about this. Sure. So this was released through the upright. Citizens Brigade. Uh, do you remember their show a long time ago? I've heard on of... on on like MTV. I think it was either MTV or Comedy Central, like the, a long time ago. The name of the show or the group sounds familiar. I okay. don't think I've seen it. So one of the uh, skits that was in the show, there was kind of like this adult kid. Okay. And he had an obsession with Star Trek Voyager. Okay. And he had a Mr. Tuvok action figure. Because this it aired uh, when Voyager was still on the air. Mm. And I remember this because I, I love the Upright Citizens Brigade when they had their comedy show on TV. And I remember laughing a bunch because they had the Mr. Tuvok thing. Right. So that's the only reason I think that they got Tim Russ specifically for this video was because they mentioned him in a very funny skit on their TV show a few years ago. Well, a number of years ago. (laughs) Like 20 years ago. God, don't make me feel old. (laughs) But there's kind of a little Star Trek connection there, a a little bit deeper than just having Tim Russ make fun about Star Wars. Right, but which was hysterical, though. It was very hysterical. It was, it was the greatest thing I saw all yesterday. Wait, no. The day before yesterday. On and, May 4th. Uh, Tim, <laughs> yeah. And Tim Russ is the one who directed Star Trek Renegades. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a Tim Russ production. Very nice. Star Trek Axanar is currently running a calendar design contest along the lines of Ships of the Line. Winners will have their artwork added to the calendar. Runners-up may have their artwork released as a wallpaper. The deadline is June 30th. 
And for more information, you can go to Star Trek XNR.com and you'll be able to see the contest link. Yep. So this is apparently to go along with their next Kickstarter campaign that will be starting up shortly to uh, create a budget for filming. Yeah, this is their uh, third Kickstarter. I've participated in in the first two. Mm -hmm. Depending on the perks that they have, I'll probably go into the third. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I think it, when the calendar gets created, it will be a digital download for uh, those people who donate. So mm -hmm. it'll be cool to at least get your get your name out there for the XNR fans. A uh, little side note: you can't have any ships or or planets that were depicted in Star Trek uh, in mm. your artwork. It has to be all Axanar. Axanar. Or Axanar <laughs> related somehow. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So you'd have to use like Axanar era ships? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Uh, which is kind of hard since, uh, I don't know. If, uh, if you were given access to their 3D models, which I don't believe they're giving anyone access to their 3D models, you could create pretty interesting artwork that mm -hmm. way, but I, I don't think that will happen. Yeah, um, well, I, I guess we'll see what fans can come up with. Yeah, so if you're artistic, give it a shot. There you go. Yep, and uh, last on our list here in, in Saturn News... Grace Lee Whitney passed away. Uh, she played uh, Janice Rand in Star Trek, the original series, movies, and an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, I, I kind of wish people in Star Trek would stop dying. Well, it's a 50-year property. Yeah, and I know. So, but life goes on. Life goes on. Enjoy, enjoy it while you're here. And we'll move on to our next yes. segment of the show. Would you buy it? Would you buy this? I would, I would totally buy this. I would too. It's a pretty nifty. I'm really, I'm really thinking about buying this. Like, literally. Okay. Like, for reals. For reals. It looks pretty. So It what does. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I would want to use it, actually. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to ruin it. Uh, so what are we talking about? We're talking about the USS... Enterprise sushi set from Think Geek, or available through Think Geek for thirty four ninety nine. It's awesome. So it's the original series Enterprise in a nice stainless steel design, and the nacelles are actually the 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 chopsticks, and it's like a translucent blue. And they slide out of the nacelles. So when they're in the Enterprise, it's uh, made up of the Bussard ram scoop, the, the red part in the front of the nacelle. Mm -hmm. And it goes through the stainless steel nacelles. Mm -hmm. And there's like this warp trail right. in the back. And that's what the uh, chopsticks are made out of. And you can lift the saucer, uh, the top half of the saucer off, and that's where you pour your soy sauce. It's fantastic. 
Right. And it's attached to a, a wooden board, which looks very nice. Very handsome design. Yes. Uh, so you've so, got your nice sushi platter and right. everything all in one. Now, do I you don't know. Like, if I bought this, I don't know if I would ever actually use it. It's too pretty to use. Now, do you like sushi? Oh, I love sushi. Oh, you do? Okay. Absolutely. Do you? I don't, but I have eaten it in the past because of reasons. But you don't like it? I don't. Okay. <laughs> but I, I've i eaten it, and so, I probably will have to eat it again in the future. Oh, I see. So, but you would get this ju- for just aesthetic value alone. Oh, oh yeah, j- just for that alone. And even, I would eat, I don't know, I'd put like a bowl on the piece of wood. I'd take out the nacelles, right? I'd put a bowl of rice there. Oh. And maybe some kind of sauce. And maybe some other meats that I put in the bowl and I can use and dip into the little saucer. But see, even if I had this, as much as I love sushi, I, I don't think I would want to use it. I've got the um, the Enterprise pizza cutter and I've never, I've used that once. Uh, I used I've, it once, I cleaned it, uh-huh. never used it again. I, I use that all the time. It's like just in my utensil drawer, like being scratched up. <laughs> but but to me it's a coll- it's a nifty collectible. Oh yeah, no, I feel the same way. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it's I'll, I'm going to use it for what what it's meant for. Well, there you go. Yeah, just like the bottle opener, that the Enterprise bottle opener that I have, I kind of don't want to use it because the little uh, yeah. metal prongs are being like scratched as I'm like popping the the lids off my adult yeah. beverages. <laughs> well, I I would totally buy this. Yeah, I, I would and, too. In fact, I would probably ask for this as a Christmas present. I I think that would be an awesome Christmas gift. I think it would for too. anyone. For anyone. Maybe this will make our uh, holiday gift guide. Oh, it definitely will. <laughs> definitely will. So, nice. moving on to the topic of the show: uh, character resurrections. So this is not a complete list because I know people have died and come back in the episodes, many episodes of Mm -hmm. the original series, and probably, I don't have any Deep Space Nine, I think. Uh, It's probably happened in Deep Space Nine, I just can't remember. And uh, I have one here from Voyager. Yes. But um, these are the most notables, the ones that I remembered, and yeah. All right. We're talking about, like, main crew. Right. Like, like yeah. the main crew, someone on the main crew has died mm-hmm. and has come back. Right. So, I think the most infamous one of all time mm-hmm. is first in our list. Right. And that is when Spock died in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, he very famously sacrificed himself to save the ship by being exposed to lethal amounts of radiation Mm -hmm. in the warp core, allowing them to warp out of danger. Right. And before he entered the radiation chamber, Spock mind melded with Dr. McCoy. Mm. Plot twist. Plot twist. (laughs) And, 
and we really didn't know what that would involve right because he just kind of goes remember right and that's it so it's like whoa what's that mean mm-hmm. what are you doing remember what right <laughs> remember my entire life <laughs> in this brief in this very brief touch i think to me this is one of the most hard-hitting deaths in star trek oh yeah uh, people cried i cried i cried almost every time i watch it yeah it's um, not only the death but then the funeral scene oh god oh it's just that that moment when kirk like his voice cracks mm-hmm. when he's like his was the most human like that where that um, when that emotion hits him mm-hmm. uh, you know we may say a lot of things about william shatner but you could tell that wasn't just acting for him that was like he was potentially losing a friend that wouldn't work on these movies again mm-hmm uh, like from a from a real world point of view, but also it had to hit him hard just because of all of the things that Kirk and Spock went through throughout the series and the the movies. Right. So uh, it's just it, it's really hard. And after Leonard Nimoy's death, I don't think I'll be able to get through watching Wrath of Khan in the same way ever again mm-hmm. to be honest it definitely will leave a tear in your eye yes yeah. but we're not just talking about deaths we're talking about the resurrections right so in star trek 3 the search for spock <laughs> so mccoy is carrying what what basically his soul and they call it his katra mm-hmm and through a mind meld, his Katra is reunited with his body that has been regenerated because of the Genesis planet. Yes, because in um, at the end of the Wrath of Khan, when they ejected his body, it kind of swung around the Genesis planet, and you saw that, like, ding, that sparkle. Mm-hmm. So... Little do we know at the time, or our audiences knew at the time, but that uh, actually landed on the Genesis planet as it was still being formed, and some of those regenerative properties uh, brought his body back to life. Right. Not just back to life, but regenerated back to, in I, I want to say, an embryonic state where he just grew up again. You see him yeah. as a little kid... <laughs> Then he's growing up. He's then a teenager. Then he's going through Pond Far. He's a young adult. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see him, uh, he's on Vulcan, uh, present day Spock, essentially. Yeah. And that carries through to even the next movie, right. The Voyage Home, mm-hmm. where. Spock isn't completely 100% himself. Right. Uh, You know, throughout the movie, Kirk has to say, you know, it's me, I'm Jim. Just call me Jim. You know, we're friends. And so his memories weren't 
fully integrated and his personality wasn't fully integrated uh, at that time yet. So it, it was kind of interesting when you're watching the movies to see this kind of mini arc where Spock has to essentially rediscover himself. Right. And I think the fifth and, and sixth movies did a good job of showing that Kirk and Spock's friendship and McCoy's, their friendship as a whole was even deeper. Right. I agree. I don't know about five so much, but six. Well, well, six, definitely. Yeah. Well, five, it had that camping scene. Oh, that's true. Row, row, row your boat. Gently down the movie that no one wants to watch ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And has never been mentioned in any capacity since in canon. Yeah, it sucked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, unfortunately, I mean, Leonard Nimoy passed away, but technically, in the Prime universe, he was still alive until he got transported into the alternate universe that the Star Trek movies take place. So, Mm -hmm. we can still assume that Prime Spock is still alive on the new Vulcan planet right. in Star Trek universe. Right. So that's a, uh, I mean, Vulcans have a long lifespan, but that's uh, a pretty good run. Yeah, not too many people can say that they've been resurrected and uh, <laughs> yeah. and brought back. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, let's, let's move on to Tasha Yar. Well, let's do that. So Tasha died on planet Vagra. Viagra, Viagra, Viagra Two. <laughs> yes, she died on planet v- Viagra. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, That's horrible. On an away mission to rescue Deanna Troy and some other character who cares, and was killed <laughs> by Armus. And that was in the episode yeah. Skin of Evil. Yes, that was that black, liquidy, creepy ooze guy. Right. Metamucil and Printer's Ink. Really? That's what it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Riker ends up uh, being sucked into and then vomited onto the beach. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, LeVar, so, a little side note, LeVar, this was from, uh, I think it was from Journey's End, the saga mm-hmm. of Star Trek The Next Generation, the little behind-the-scenes look that came out just before the final episode of TNG. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, <laughs> Riker's telling this, so it's Metamucil and uh, Printer's Inc. Because so, Riker asks him, well, what is this? And like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, so naturally, I dove right in. So... <laughs> <laughs> so after, LeVar Burton... Um, Looks over and goes, Frakes, I would have never have done that. But moving on. <laughs> I would have never done that either. <laughs> well, if you get paid enough. Well, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. okay. Um, so how does this character return? Well, uh, temporal rift changes uh, the timeline and creates a reality where Yar never died. Uh, she travels back in time when the timeline split into the prime timelines past. And this is from the very infamous and awesome yesterday's enterprise. Right. And 
this is probably my first encounter with uh, a, st- a character death and resurrection in Star Trek. Like, true death and resurrection. Right. Uh, because I don't think I saw the uh, TOS movies at this point. I was still a little kid when uh, third season was out. That was, what, 1990-ish? Mm-hmm. So I never... I never saw that, so this was my first, um, yeah, <laughs> experience with that. And I, I love this episode, and we did do a uh, supplemental, me and Eric Dewey, on, mm. on this episode, uh, which you should check out if you have not done so. Yes, you should. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you like this episode, obviously. Yeah, I, I really like this episode. It's kind of like that... It had everything. It had, oh, yeah. you know, time travel and alternate realities and seeing Tasha come back, you're like, whoa, what's going on? And then she has to go back in time with the Enterprise C, and it's just... Which sets up of, another chain of events. Which in kind of way is another resurrection mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. Right. Because after she goes through that rift and goes back in time and everyone's saved and yada yada well apparently um uh her and a romulan general had a kid which was sayla mm-hmm. which was another opportunity for denise crosby to come back to tng much to the shock of everyone and it was a great twist oh yeah definitely who, who would have saw that but i thought yesterday's enterprise was a great way for them to give Tasha Yar a proper send-off. Right. I agree. I think her death... Well, her death was a shock to everyone mm-hmm. uh, in Skin of Evil. Well, who would, have, who would have thought a main character would die in the first season? No, no one did, and that's what was so surprising. And I think... Uh, it was just a real shock and you know i don't know the whole behind the scenes of of why she left the show right and maybe i'll find that out when i'm going through the new blu-rays i got but yeah uh i i I think yesterday's enterprise was just a great send-off for her character Mm -hmm. and i i was so glad that she got to came back as this other character sayla Mm -hmm. and really show off more of her acting ability as a villain Mm. That was pretty cool. Right. And just the alternate universe. I mean, I love alternate universes. And this alternate oh, universe absolutely. was so dark and unlike, totally unlike the next generation. Yeah. And it was it was kind of a great way for the next generation to do a mirror universe type episode mm-hmm. without going into the mirror universe because right. they never did in their seven years. Right. So this was a great ultimate reality way to do that. Next is Ensign Harry Kim. Voyager was accidentally duplicated by a spatial scission phenomenon uh, where each... Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) So each ship was unaware of the other's existence, and both were tied to a rapidly draining antimatter supply. So the two ships were phased apart from each other. Okay, so but they both had were 
using the same antimatter? Yes. Okay. That was how they were connected. Okay. Was through the antimatter supply. So they realized there was like a series of proton bursts because they were trying to get away from the spatial incision. Mm -hmm. But every time they fired the protons, one of the other ships got badly damaged. I see. So in this, Naomi Wildman died in childbirth on, on, on one ship. On one of but the Voyagers. She, yes, but on the other Voyager, she she lived. So we're not only dealing with one death and resurrection, we're dealing with two. So Harry Kim and uh, Naomi Wildman. So the Harry Kim from the damaged Voyager was killed when he was blown away through a hull breach in the ship. So the undamaged ship was that forced sucks. to self... Hey, I'm not making side comments on the other one it does suck you know what also no, sucks it blows tasha actually What's that? Uh, <laughs> you know what also sucks is tasha dying so whatever no no it's sad it's sad what's going into you man let me get through this <laughs> <laughs> so when the undamaged ship was forced to self-destruct after being run by Vidian forces, that ship's Harry Kim took the infant Naomi Wildman and transferred to the other ship. So this episode marks the death of the quote-unquote original Harry Kim, mm -hmm. who is replaced by a duplicate. Um, so the real Harry Kim's body was apparently left to flow in space, though it may have been retrieved at some point off-screen. The non-canon game Star Trek Online with their new Delta uh, pack suggests that the Kobali rescued his body at some point. And, yeah, so there it is. So how do you think he would feel knowing that he is a duplicate? Do you think that would change how he would go about his daily life? Or do you think other crew members would look at him differently? Well, here's the thing. At the end of that episode, which is the episode Deadlock, uh, he actually has this talk with the captain. Mm -hmm. um, but basically the point is the split occurred as soon as they were stuck in that spatial scission. So everything is the same mm -hmm. up until that point. So just him dying and him living... It only happened within a span of a few hours. So there's nothing really different about him. Okay. Because they were split at th with that one point. Right. So, so the episode does address this at the end because he's like, well, but your Kim died and I'm here. And... But they got over it pretty quickly. Right. So it's not something drastic like the transporter accident that created William Riker and Thomas Riker, and then like no. 15 years passed. It's nothing no. that drastic. No. And it's actually a really good episode if if you do ever care to watch it. It's, I've seen um, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was good. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, I do remember this episode. But yeah, so it's nothing drastic. It was only by the time that Harry died when he was sucked out into space and when they solved the problem of blowing up the other ship, 
it was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, nothing really drastic could happen personality-wise during right. that time. Right. So it's not like he went so it's, schizo or something. Yeah, so it's right. still it's still Harry Kim. Right. Right. So there so, you go. So there you go. So, so next is uh, something that we don't usually do, but we're going to go into some uh, non-canon resurrections mm-hmm. here. So we have Captain Kirk. Yes. Who died... After, well, he was. Well, this is, the the death is canon. The death is canon. Yeah, he's he's the dead. Return Dornail. is not. As yeah. a so so he dies in Star Trek Generations, as as we all know, after being discovered that he was still alive in the Nexus, because which which is kind of like a resurrection right. in the universe, right? Because everyone assumed he died saving the Enterprise B. Yes, when the from Nex- the energy ribbon. Right. When the energy ribbon, the Nexus, rips a hole in the side of the Enterprise B and takes Kirk. Yes. What they didn't know was he existed in this alternate or parallel or some other reality within the Nexus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Picard finds him in the Nexus, has him come back with him, to uh, Viridian 3. Viridian 3, yes. And Kirk, being his heroic self, was uh, trying to get a, 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 a pad from a bridge that was basically falling apart because Soren fired a, an energy weapon at it. So Kirk was able to get it, decloak this uh, torpedo or that was going to send uh, trilithium to the star to destroy it. Uh, Picard was able to uh, lock clamp the the uh, launching mechanism, mm-hmm. so it ex- basically exploded and took Soren with him. He goes and Kirk, uh, yeah, meets his demise because the bridge fell. Right. Right. So. Uh, his return is actually in the novel called The Return. Which you, it you've was read a novel. This. I have read it. Okay. And while it's it's separate from kind of like the pocket books universe mm-hmm. that they're set up, because uh, The Return and its subsequent sequels are quote unquote called the Shatnerverse okay. by pocket books. So it's because these books are written by Shatner himself, along uh, with a couple other writers Mm -hmm. who ended up going on to write for Enterprise's fourth season. So in the novel The Return, it takes place after Generations and First Contact because the the Borg are involved, and so is the Enterprise-E. So this information is from Memory Beta. Sala Trell the granddaughter of the Romulan commander as seen in the balance of terror steals Kirk's body to seek revenge. Another revenge. Sal- I, yeah, I know. Salatrell and her dissident group ally themselves with the Borg and using a combination of Borg nanotechnology and a guardian of forever like arc they captured Kirk's brainwaves, or Katra, at the moment of his death and revive him in the present. 
Kirk is then brainwashed into hunting down Picard, the only human the Borg have ever considered a threat. See, now, when I first read this on Memory Beta, my brain exploded. Yeah, and (laughs) it it has... (laughs) I know the premise is out there, but I haven't read this in a while, but I remember when I did read it, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the other books that follow this one. Okay. I'll take your word on that. (laughs) I I will admit that it is written by William Shatner, so Kirk is definitely the hero in this. Right. He gets a new love interest. Some of the other characters from the original series come back. Mm -hmm. Spock is involved. Okay. McCoy, an older McCoy, who we saw in The Next Generation. Right. Counter Four Point. He's still alive. Albeit very old, and also Montgomery Scott is in it because again, the next generation established that this character was alive in the present. So it has very good canonical ties Mm -hmm. to the show and the movies. It's just keep in mind Shatner did write it, so there are some grandiose things. But for me, I thought it was an enjoyable read. Now, see, I feel like the individual segments from from that little synopsis that uh, that you just read, I think the individual pieces would make a good story. It's just the mashing of them which seems a little out there. I understand. I do recall there was one sequence in the novel where they had to go to the Borg ship mm-hmm. and... That was a very engaging sequence because uh, Beverly Crusher goes on the away team from what I remember and they learn all this stuff about Borg nanotech and then Picard starts hearing the whispers again from the Borg. So it's it's very well done okay. in terms of connecting to what's been seen in the show and the two movies at that point. Okay. And see, some of this seems very Star Trek 09-ish to me with the Romulans and the Borg. Yes. And who knows, that's may, that's may have been where they got this kind of idea from. Mm. And w- I remember when uh, Star Trek 2009 came out, and I remember reading the Countdown comics and seeing that Romulan Borg tech connection i I immediately thought of this novel Mm. because i was like oh my god so in a way the comics might make this somewhat canon because uh it this novel shows that the romulans have experimented with borg technology which we see in star trek countdown Mm -hmm. which is where nero got the advancements for his ship right so, in a way, it all kind of ties together. But, yeah, if if you haven't read The Return or its sequels, at the very least, I, I suggest that you read it. It's okay. it's entertaining, at the least. Right. I, I, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'm sure. definitely. It's, it's still Star Trek. Right. So, next, we'll, we'll, ta- we'll tackle Kirk again. This time, Say what? <laughs> this time, the alternate reality Kirk. Oh, that guy. 
<laughs> who died after being exposed to radiation while realigning the warp core manually sounds awfully familiar. I feel like we just talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of Wrath Khan. Khan. <laughs> yes. Kirk, alternate reality Kirk, makes his return by getting... In the same movie. <laughs> in the same movie, by getting a dose of Khan's magic blood to bring him back to life. Which McCoy found out because of a dead triple that was brought back to life. Right. I guess there wasn't enough time to test the other supermen to see if Mm -hmm. their blood had the same properties. Which I would imagine... uh, We've talked about this uh, several times. Uh, I I actually think think original Kirk's death was was better. Even though fans hated it, I think it was better than this crap from Into Darkness. <laughs> I still got a little emotional, though, with this Kirk's death. No, I, I really didn't. Oh, you didn't? You didn't care? No, I mean, it, for me, as soon as, uh, as soon as Khan said, I am Khan, mm-hmm. like, it just, that movie just kind of went for me, so. Yeah. Yeah, well. I'm getting more jaded. I actually talked to a friend about this. You used to like this movie. You text me when you saw it. It's awesome. And now you're like, oh, I don't care about this movie. Yeah, well, then you watch it a few times and you get pissed off each time. And the more you think about it, it just kind of pisses you off more. Right. Yeah, sure. Initially, when I watched it, I'm like, oh, my God, it's so awesome. Yeah. But, you know, when you critically sit down and think about it, it's crap. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's it's well done technically, but I'm not going into this. Right. Yeah. I'm not going into we, we, this. We won't so, have yeah. a debate on, okay. on Into Darkness. No. 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 This isn't the time or the place. This isn't the time to be talking about time. We don't have the time because we're moving on to the next... <laughs> oh, oh. Death. No. This time is Data... This is his first death. His first, his first death. So, <laughs> after finding Data's head in a cave in San Francisco, the Enterprise investigates, and Data is pulled back in time to the 1800s, where he meets Mark Twain, um, <laughs> and he's uh, subsequently killed by uh, these aliens, uh, the... Davida two aliens. Right. This was Time Zero Part One. Well, in Time Zero Part Two, <laughs> mm-hmm. they were able to take Data's body back to the future and connect it to his cranial unit, mm-hmm. which had been in a cave for over four hundred years. Right. So Data's head is much older than his body throughout the rest of the his 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 run. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we at least know that it, his body is built to withstand the test of time. Right. If it already survived 400 years, at least his head, right. and it's still functioning. And that's that's the credit to Dr. Soong's uh, brilliant engineering. Right. They didn't take his head back because they had to leave it there so that they could find, find it. Find it. In the- Whoa, time loop, man. Right. Predestination. So, uh, 
this isn't my favorite episode, but it's uh, not not bad. A decent two-parter. It's a it's a nice time travel story too. Yeah, it's cool to see them out of place in the eighteen hundreds. Well, then we get a much crappier version of that in a fistful of datas. So <laughs> that that's true. That's true. A whole lot of data. <laughs> um, moving on, uh, his second death. Jumping into the vacuum of space through a hole breach in the Enterprise E, he boards the Romulan ship, the Scimitar. Data utilized a prototype emergency transport unit that was in his forearm to return Captain Picard to the Enterprise. With the Thaleron radiation weapon seconds away from firing, Data used his phaser to destroy it, which then destroys the Scimitar and Data. Right, and uh, how'd you feel about that? Um, I know a lot of people give Nemesis crap, mm-hmm. but going back and watching it, I still really enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. And Data's death was still very impactful. Right. And Even with B4 there? Even with B4 there, and I know that you know B4 is technically the cop-out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it is, we'll we'll see in his uh, return. But still, the character of Data sacrificing his life and to have his last goodbye be with, you know, Jordy and then Picard, who are the two people on the crew that were his best friends, right. was very touching. Mm-hmm. And... I thought if this was the last time that we would ever see the TNG crew, it sucks that Data had to die, but I think they did it in the most respectful way possible. And it was still emotional for people who knew Data throughout the years or who watched him throughout the years. Right. Uh, for me, it's it's a little bit less than impactful than, than Spock's death. Mm-hmm. But it was still as shocking as Spock dying in in Wrath of Khan. Right. And I I thought this movie was trying to be the TNG version of the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And I, I can see why people dislike it, sure. But... You know, having rewatched it over the years, mm-hmm. I've actually liked it more. It's still got some spectacular action sequences, uh, especially with the ships fighting. Right. That was really cool. And plus seeing, you know, the Romulans get their own spotlight in a movie for once. That's It's not the Klingons. Mm-hmm. It's not the Borg. The Romulans finally get their own type of movie in the Star Trek movie franchise, which I thought was great. So that's why I actually found it kind of funny when Romulans were the bad guy again, when Star Trek 09 came about. Right. So, no, I see. So his, his return again is non-canon in Uh, a way, because some people consider countdown to be canon. Uh, I suppose this is comic. also the uh, in the Star Trek Online universe. Okay, uh, but after an extensive study at the Soon Foundation by a dedicated science team and Jordy LaForge, the group managed to unravel the Data Matrix, allowing 
for all of Data's memories, personality, and experiences to override before. When the restored Data first gained consciousness, he objected to the fact that his restoration was at B4's expense and immediately attempted to destroy his own consciousness to preserve B4. However, B4 sacrificed himself to preserve Data from dying. Uh, through this, the android was able to help the Soon Foundation in upgrading the positronic brain and help in the recreation of the emotion chip originally developed by Dr. Soon. Yeah, and then uh, Data was able to continue his Starfleet career and be another captain of the Enterprise. Indeed, so I, if this story was filmed, would you be happy with with his resurrection? Um, yeah, I mean, because if there was another movie, I mean, they were setting it up anyway in Nemesis, you know, with uh, Data downloading all of his consciousness into B4 anyway. Right. So everything was already there canically to happen. Yeah. So if they film this and, and that's what happened, I would be more interested to see a movie that focuses on that moral decision and that moral argument mm -hmm. um and then before actually saying or basically before sacrificing himself maybe he doesn't feel that he'll ever um you know grow and he's sacrificing himself so that data who's maybe the better android can can continue living which might be a really touching story if they did it right mm. and I feel if they had the right writers behind it, it could be uh, maybe even an interesting um, follow-up to A Measure of a Man. Interesting. Yeah. So I feel that if they did something like that, it could be a really thought-provoking movie or at least a side story. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. Now, I, I would imagine couldn't be fours essence his memories and experiences be downloaded into a computer and stored for potential um resurrection itself into another uh soon type android that they could have uh been working on maybe and um maybe before doesn't have to sacrifice himself maybe this soon foundation can store his consciousness and maybe like some kind of positronic memory core or something right and if there is this soon foundation maybe they could build another body mm -hmm. and, and, and b4 could live too and this is i mean data is he he is an android he's artificial his brain is electronic couldn't you dual boot essentially like you can dual boot a computer into windows or or uh Linux. So you're suggesting almost have a split personality mm -hmm. in Data. Right. Which we've seen before. We've seen uh, in the episode Masks, Data has had multiple personalities within him. But uh, the thing about that is even in humans, uh, split personality is considered a disorder. Right, so I, w I wouldn't and, say having them run at the same time. Right, but 
but then you get into the question of when would data decide to switch control over to B4? When would B4 mm -hmm. switch control of data? Right. Would it be an equal shared time thing? How would that impact his duties? Right. There's multiple questions that come up. If he had this, could he still serve as a member of Starfleet? Mm -hmm. Th that's a lot yeah. to consider. That's true. And the that possibilities uh, are pretty fascinating. Yeah, definitely. And, and maybe B4 thought that that's why he could sacrifice himself so that so that data could not be worried about him or have to deal with the split personality scenario mm -hmm. i i don't know but i think it's a, a ripe opportunity for some interesting storytelling i i agree and definitely shows growth in the b4 character from a simpleton which which makes it even more tragic if before sacrificed himself right because sacrificing yourself for someone is a very human trait mm -hmm. and again that's why i think this could be an amazing kind of sequel to measure of a man right if done right so that's that's my so, thoughts someone get a kickstarter ready yeah and then credit us <laughs> <laughs> okay so I, I mean those are a few of the resurrections that we felt were the best, let's say, in, in the Star Trek yeah. universe. Yeah. The most impactful, at least. Right. So, moving on to the next segment of the show. The next. Uh, subspace channels. And this question, if you could bring any Star Trek character back for one more appearance, who would it be? Oh, wow. <sighs> this is a tough one. Mm -hmm. Who would you pick? Hmm. I would pick Data. Oh. Hmm. He, he's by far my favorite character in all of Star Trek. Wow. Who would I pick? There's, wow, there's just so much. I, you know what? I would actually like to see Archer come back one more time. Okay. I would like to see something that's not the final episode of Enterprise. <laughs> and right. and if if he could be the only character that's brought back maybe some type of thing where he's recounting his memoirs before he dies right something like that um i just like really i really like scott bakula i like enterprise i think mm -hmm. enterprise deserves a better send-off than it got right so if i could see one more character come back for one more appearance i would like to see archer come back i mean in something that could be done and and we've uh we kind of seen it it's uh with start with prelude to axanar mm -hmm. that little historical document there you could do something like that for the romulan wars and have archer and the enterprise crew and even saval again yeah recounting their experiences oh yeah, yeah absolutely i'd love that yeah Let's get that Kickstarter going too. Let's let's get this. Done. Yeah, we're uh, we're making some Kickstarter uh, suggestions. So yeah. get on it. Get up on it. So yeah, I, I that's a that's a good choice, Archer. Yeah. 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 Damn right, it's a good choice. <laughs> I, I made it. Yeah. True. True that. Is, is, I'm that. glad you didn't pick like let's see. I don't know. Um, Neelix. Neelix? <laughs> yeah. Neelix. <laughs> 
but two Vix. You didn't pick two Vix to come back. You know, funny enough, one of my th- first thoughts when thinking about this was Neelix. I actually really like Neelix. He's an interesting character. He's but outside he, he the, did, He's outside the mold. Yeah. But um, he did get a nice goodbye in Voyager. Yeah, that's true. All right. So moving on to Google+. Plus. Tom Osborne said James Doohan's Scotty. That's a good choice. It's a very good choice. Next, our, our friend Clive Borrell from some kind of Star Trek says easy. Tom Riker. Mmm. Love Second Chances in Defiant is one of my favorite DS9s. The character was left too much in limbo on screen and deserved a final send-off as Eddington. Eddington got in blaze of glory there was a lot of potential that well i can't read there was a lot of potential that has been much more extensive extensively explored in the literary universe literary universe <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> let me clear my throat see him ex- seeing him escape from prison and being an asset during the dominion war would have been amazing or even if he had just been in that detention center in Inferno's Light. What a plan. I like how he spelled center so Britishy. Yeah, with that damn <laughs> ching of the R, the E and the R. Yeah. Britain! <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom Riker. That's a great character to have come back. Yeah. I liked his character. Plus we get, I, I did too. I thought it was tragic and awesome and. Yeah, he tricked everyone. He did <laughs> with fake, fake little beard, beard thingies. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like fake, really you couldn't just grow like that fake little. Well, that way when he removed, you like, oh, that's not Riker. Of course, he has fake <laughs> mutton chops. God, dude, they have medical technology in Star Trek that can like make new skin. Tell me that there's not some advice in Star Trek that can, like, foster follicle growth. I don't know. I, I mean, I come know. on. I mean, he, I mean, it isn't like, well, we've seen him grow a beard. So it isn't right. like it's something that he can't do. I think they just, just did it to... Accent- for the shock value. Yeah, to accentuate yeah. the point that this is not Riker because he has a goatee. Oh, <laughs> he's evil. He has a goatee. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yes. Uh, the evil goatee bastards in Star Trek. Right. I think that's one of the banned hairstyles in Starfleet. Apparently. Yeah, it must be, right? <laughs> just don't. You can have a beard, just no goatees. That's the universal symbol for evil. Apparently. So next we have Ganeris Mafinawa. This person said, I would like to see Patrick Stewart back on screen again, but really would just like to see another TNG movie as a proper conclusion. But that isn't too likely unless it's fan-made. I agree. I, like I, would, like to, I would like to see Picard again. Yeah, I, I like Patrick Stewart. It seems like Patrick Stewart can't age either. Like, Right, he's aged he's, very well. He still looks good. Yeah. Like, give that man another Next Generation movie. Come right. on. Earl Earl Grey does a body good. <laughs> Apparently, I'm going to have to start investing. True that. So the next uh, few uh, entries here are by two people. 
and they're posted here <laughs> as they've as they posted online. So uh-huh. I- I'll take Eric, and you'll take. Wait, maybe you should take Eric. I'll take Eric. You'll take Eric uh, Swigger, and I'll take Lindsey Jones. I bet you would. Okay, so um, Eric Swigger said, I want one last TNG movie with Q. I I agree. I I would like to see that. I would love to see John Delancey in a Q movie. That would be amazing. I think that's what they should have done. That should have been Nemesis, that farewell. Oh, my God! Because Q was with them from the beginning. Exactly. So to have the last TNG movie with Q, oh, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. Bookends. They didn't think of it. No, they didn't. So next we have Lindsay Jones, who says, Captain Riker, there are several novels written about his adventures aboard the USS Titan, NCC-80102. Would love to see that. Lindsay Jones, again, says, Captain Sisko. Another great one. And then Eric Swigger says, Riker and Sisko meet up with Janeway, and they all go back in time to save Archer from a crazed, portable, wormhole-wielding Picard. <laughs> then you have all the captains. <laughs> yeah. It'll be uh, one crazy, crazy thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I actually don't want to see that happen at all. But, okay. Um, and <laughs> next, Lindsay... Again, uh, she says Captain John Harriman. Yeah, I would like to see him when he's not an incompetent dork. Yeah, not on a Tuesday. Or maybe, not, no, yeah. actually, maybe on Tuesday. I want to see him on Tuesday. When all the stuff's actually when installed? When all the stuff gets there, yeah. <laughs> and and maybe all the stuff being there will make him a good captain? Yeah. Okay. Um... <laughs> And then, once again, Eric Swigger says, I always like Cork and the Ferengi in general. Were they in any of the movies? I don't recall. Would be nice to see an appearance one more time. They were not in the movies, but technically there was a deleted scene from Insurrection that had Quark. Mm. And he was on the planet Baku, and he was trying to set up a um, resort. Interesting. So that was a deleted scene from Insurrection. Hmm. So Quark would have been in the movies, but it was cut. Kind of glad it was cut. Yeah, me too. Apparently it was crap. <laughs> so next, from the Facebook, Mary Joe Shrabaz says, Leonard McCoy, smiley face. Yes. I would, yeah, we, we've seen him again, but I would, wouldn't mind seeing him one last time. Same here. If it, if it was possible. On Twitter, uh, Aunt Carrie Clan said Spock Prime. And I remember seeing this on Twitter and he had a crying face emoji. Mm. And I, I remember responding uh, to him saying, uh, you know, the feels. Right. So, yeah. Uh, also on Twitter, my, my friend uh, Josh, uh, at Josh Frosh, said... Uh, if it was a good adventure, Garrick. Hmm. A later adventure in the Prime Universe, Nog. And I agree with both of those. I loved Garrick. Uh, I yeah, thought he I was too. a fantastic character. Right. And I also like Nog. Yeah. When we did our Helm officers, he was he was my I my pick for a favorite Helm's officer. Yeah, and I would love to see 
uh, how far Nog goes in Starfleet. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one day he becomes a captain. Right, because... I that, would hope so. Well, in an alternate reality where uh, Cisco gets gets trapped and, and we see mm-hmm. Nog and, and Jake scenes w- with them, uh, Nog is a captain. Yeah. So, good to see. Uh, next, we have at little cute girl 86, my better half, who says, Spock. Yes, Definitely. Uh, our good friend, uh, Darren Moser at Dr. Sci-Fi said, I'd bring back a traveler Wesley with a mighty at will W beard. The stories he would have to tell. I, I wouldn't mind that. See, now I had, I have a question. Yeah. So now Wesley has, has the beard. Yes. Would that make him more or less like you? Because, follow me, follow me, you have to follow me on this. Okay. My logic. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Q was interested in Riker before he had the beard. Then when he had the beard, he wasn't interested in in him anymore because he lost something. Okay. So you could see that this is dumb right off the bat. But uh, of course. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, why is he growing the beard? Is there any reason why the time-traveling Wesley, or not the time-traveling Wesley, I guess he could travel the, through time, the Traveler yeah, Wesley yeah. would be growing a beard? Well, uh, I think after, since I've been re-watching the first season... Wesley always kind of really liked Riker okay. because yeah. Riker stood up for him. Right. Even when Picard didn't at first. Right. And yeah. Riker was one of the first Starfleet officers on Farpoint that Wesley met. Mm-hmm. So I can see him looking up to maybe having, yeah, looking up to Riker. Right. So, yeah. Right. I, I don't think okay. that's a dumb question. Okay. I, yeah, I think if, if yeah, because Will Wheaton, I mean, he does have this epic beard now. <laughs> right, and, yeah. And, and you know what? I wouldn't mind Wesley coming back. Uh, you know, one of the first season episodes uh, of Next Generation involves The Traveler. Mm-hmm. And when I rewatched it earlier this week, I remember I said how much I liked The Traveler character. Mm-hmm. And... I really like that final story with with Wesley and the Traveler, and okay. I I liked it. So you're so, you're a fan of the the Traveler arc? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely, I am. Yeah, and they they kind of planted it. I I know they kind of beat your head with it over and over in the first season that you know Wesley is this gifted child, but. Early on, the Traveler saw that in Wesley, mm-hmm. in, in that first episode that the Traveler's there. He saw something in Wesley, and he even told Picard to not tell Wesley that the Traveler sees great things in him. And he told Picard to give Wesley the chance to grow. And and I think the overall arc was very good for Wesley. Okay. So I, I really like that Traveler arc aspect about Wesley. And I think that's one of the subtle things that 
uh, of canon that they carried through from the first season to the last. Right. And uh, finally, from Star Trek Riza, we have Drake who says, Finnegan. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, good old Finnegan. Yeah. So well, this week, do, do you have something that puts your quantum state into flux? I, I do. Um, and it has to deal with uh, the next generation and the first season. Okay. So recently I acquired the first uh, five seasons of Next Generation on Blu-ray. So this is the epically restored Master Edition. And some of these first season episodes... So I'm going through in order... And for some of these episodes, it's the first time I've watched these episodes in decades, like a couple decades, maybe if not since the first airing. Oh, wow. Obviously, obviously some of these episodes, choice select episodes in the first season, I've watched since because they're the best ones of the first season. So, of course, you watch those over and over. But the ones, you don't. I'll I'll be straight up right now. What's got in my quantum state of flux is how bad the majority of the first season of TNG is. Okay. Um, That's not... I'm not saying that every episode is bad. I mean, there are... There are some things in every episode that you can see, if you know the series, you see where those story threads build and evolve... If, if you're a huge fan. Right. So the first season sets a ton of groundwork for what's to come on later seasons. But the thing is, sometimes you have to suffer through just some of the most god-awful episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, God, what's that one? Um, uh, oh. Angel One? Just- no, I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. But, like, the Justice episode. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, everyone's on that happy planet and they're all running around half naked. Right. And then they've got these, like, uh, ooh, death rules if you commit a crime in the death zone or whatever. Right. And that's what Wesley does. And it's like, oh, dear God. And they're so happy. It's like, shut up. Uh, right. I think elements of that episode are good. Yeah, there are elements that are good. But I thought really it's just a planet of beautiful white people like what's happening here uh it's just yeah it's it's weird another one i i thought the the ferengi like in in the last outpost (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not that the episode was bad like i liked that the ferengi i mean at least the ferengi daemon in this episode was just snarling and he was very vicious. Mm-hmm. But then when they got on the planet, they're always like, and they're all like, and, yeah, you know, that they, they have always had their hands up like this and they're just, and they suck. It's like, <laughs> this is right. horrible. But again, what's, what's a saving thing about this episode? The whips. It's this idea of the Takan empire, uh. like an empire that predated the Federation that was technologically advanced. And whoa, this is like the last, it was the last outpost Mm -hmm. of the Takan empire. And what, 
intrigued me about the last part of that episode was, you know, Riker passed the test or whatever. And, but the, the guardian of the Takan empire said, you know, I'll be here if you need me. And it's like, they had such great power and technological advance. It's like, I wonder why we didn't see a follow-up story to that. Like, oh, there were so been... many episodes that could have used the follow-ups. Exactly! Ex- especially early on in the series. Yeah, and I, th- there are some shining great episodes in the first season, like Skin of Evil that we mentioned earlier with the death of Tash Yar. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Conspiracy, that's just one of the most brutal Star Trek episodes i mean brutal in terms of just the goriness mm-hmm. which uh, that episode should have had us had a follow-up oh absolutely and you know th- there is a lot of good that came from the first season like q uh okay. there were two q episodes in this so that was a great thing that carried on through the rest of the series data lore is mm-hmm. another episode yeah. that ca- that had multiple impacts into the future of TNG. So there are good examples, but there are just some moments and some episodes in the first season that are just absolute crap. <laughs> and it sucks for such a great series like The Next Generation. Yeah. But I will say, revisiting the series, and especially these early episodes which i haven't watched in a while Mm -hmm. i mean i was five at the time when when the show came out and so i do remember some of these and i did go back when i was later and watch some of these obviously through syndication and reruns but again there's just some stinkers in here and it's it's a shame but i will say it is easier to watch these early episodes with the remastered graphics because I don't care how crap of an suck in HD. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks, but it looks really great in HD. (laughs) So that's what has lately been putting my quantum state into flux. I see. So, so that would be your selling pitch for anyone buying the first season Blu-ray. It sucks, but it's HD. How are the extras? (laughs) Have you watched the extras? The Astros are fantastic. Okay. And and like I said, if you're if you're a Star Trek purist or even just a new fan, you know, take some of the first season with a grain of salt. I mean everyone consider, else did. <laughs> yeah, consider it was the late eighties. There are some very eighties hairstyles. I mean, I was watching mm-hmm. the one with Haven where, you know, Troy is supposed to get married off to this guy. And mm, there's the dinner party, which the dialogue in the dinner party is hilarious. But Tasha Yar has this full 80s mohawk going on <laughs> for the dinner party. And I tweeted it. I was like, oh, hey, Tasha, we have to talk about your hair a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, God. It's like, it's like really, that's your fancy hair time for a, a fancy party? <laughs> is this crazy 80s mohawk? Hmm. So it's it's interesting. And like I said, there are a lot of gems in this first season that really pay off through the rest of the series. Okay. So I would say give it a chance and just be prepared to laugh at some moments. Right. But 
again, I mean, TNG is one of the best Star Trek series of all time. Right. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, and there's a reason for that. So, I mean, every Star Trek episode ha- or every Star Trek series has its fair share of stinkers. Right. It just seems like the majority of them are in Next Generation Season 1. <laughs> I would even say in Deep Space Nine, the first couple of seasons were... The first couple of seasons of Deep Space Nine are hard to get through. Yeah. But I, once they get into the Dominion War, I mean, this is a tangent, but once they get into the Dominion War, it picks up quite it's a bit. It's nonstop. Yeah. 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 So, that that's that's my quantum state I in see. the flux. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. And if for those of you who can't afford the Blu-rays, like I know I can't, but you have Hulu Plus, you can see at least the first two seasons remastered on Hulu Plus. Okay. Uh, so I I would I would suggest doing that. Yeah, and really, I mean, if you need any convincing, just watch some of the um, you know comparisons that are out there. Uh, Trek Core. If you look at their yes. u- their YouTube channel, they have side by side comparisons of, I believe, every episode uh, that has been yes. remastered. Uh, so definitely check them out. I it's re- a fantastic I resource. Definitely. And if that doesn't convince you of the restoration efforts, I don't know what will. Like it's beautiful. If if you can afford it, uh, definitely try to go all in on these because. CBS and they've done a fantastic job with this and it's probably the best looking Star Trek ever aside from maybe Enterprise in terms of HD right so there you go there you go uh, so thank you all for listening our resurrection our return to ah uh-huh. so that's why you did this <laughs> I get uh, it now yes our, our return to podcasting uh, at least for this this uh, show, Eric has has been keeping up with his Power Rangers show. Uh, if anyone's interested, you should check that out. Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Ride Radio Network, where you can find a ton of great shows like uh, the Long Box Cast or the Fro Show, or even uh, Socially Awkward. So there you go. Yeah, so check them out. So, Eric, if we want to keep up with you during the times you're not podcasting, how would we do that? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and, to a lesser extent, Star Trek Riza uh, at TrekkieB47. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mainly Twitter, though. I mean, if, if, you want, if you want Eric Berry all the time... Uh, Check out uh, Seven on Twitter. Sounds good. And if you would like to keep up with my ongoings, you can find me on the Twitter and Star Trek Riza. And also on Instagram if you search at Nova Charter. Awesome. So until next time, uh, we will catch you later. Trek you later. Trek you later. Who needs a calculator? <laughs> Get my treculator. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Roll the music. Stop the episode. <laughs>
let me send you my little live long emoji. <laughs> you have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com. This has been another proud production of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You want to see more shows? Go check out www.fouredradio.com, you winkers.